All right, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Teacher Podcast. It is Thursday, July the 6th, 2017. In today's episode of the podcast, we're going to dive into uh, one of the Southeast Hoops Reader Awards that I currently have out there right now, the polls for all you guys and gals to vote on. Uh, and the one, the most recent one, was the, the award for the SCC's Most Underrated Player heading into the 2017-18 season. Now, obviously, this is not a statistical award. This is not one where you could say, okay, look at this stat, look at that stat. Here's your clear winner. Everyone's going to have a different opinion as to who they view as an underrated player. Uh, you know, so let's just keep that in mind before we jump into some of the guys you have said. And also, I'm going to give you my five players that are on my short list right now. Uh, and this could change by the time I reveal my most underrated player heading into the season. And, you know, we're going to release the, the Reader Awards first. So you'll see the Southeast Hoops Reader Awards go up. And then once those are out, uh, I will give my choice as well uh, on each of these awards. So it's going to be a lot of fun, just some, uh, something to kind of get even more excited about the upcoming season and really dive into these rosters and, and kind of break down the different players that are around uh, this league. And there's a lot of good ones, as we've talked about. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about the SEC's most underrated player heading into this season. Now, when I put this out there, and it's only been out there at this point for less than 24 hours, you guys have jumped on it and given me really a lot of interesting choices, just to go down the choices that have been presented thus far. There's Joe Toy from Vanderbilt, Grant Williams from Tennessee, Admon Gilder from Texas A&M, Jeff Roberson from Vanderbilt, Riley Norris from Alabama, Kivarius Hayes from Florida, Keith Stone from Florida, Lamar Peters from Mississippi State, Terrence Davis from Ole Miss, Dazon Ingram from Alabama, and Anthony McLemore from Auburn. Now, those are just, you know, th those are the ones you've given me thus far. I know there's going to be a lot more people coming in as I continue to push this award over the next couple of days and into next week. Uh, but those are a lot of interesting choices. And as I've told some of you already, um, you know, when I talk about my short list, I kind of said a couple of them uh, on Twitter, but there are a couple of those guys uh, that are going to be on my list as well. And actually, there's a good chunk of those guys that you've already mentioned that are going to be on my short list. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my five guys that as I look at this now and say, okay, when I decide who, who I'm going to go with as the SEC's most underrated player heading into the year, these are the five guys that are currently on the list to choose from. Now, I will say this. There are guys that you guys have suggested uh, that, that are underrated that I actually have much higher views on in terms of there are several of those guys that if I had to pick today, I may have them on a second, third, all-SEC team. So, so in that regard, I don't really view them as underrated. Now, again, that goes back to the first thing we talked about. Everyone's going to have a different opinion as to what they view as an underrated player. So keep that in mind. Uh, you know, just keep an open mind when you look at these selections uh, because everyone is going to kind of think differently on it. But these would be the five guys that I would put on my short list as of today. And certainly, I could make this 10 to 15, 20 guys. When you look around the league, we talk about the roster depth. Uh, we all know that. It's very hard to narrow it down. But if I had to narrow it down and really just kind of zone in, 
on five players. It would be these five, and in no particular order. These are just the five guys that I kind of have on my list as of right now. And that list starts with a guy that I have talked about for years now. Uh, Obviously, location-wise, being located in Nashville, it's a guy that I am very familiar with in terms of seeing his progression as a player, Uh, and that is Vanderbilt's Jeff Robertson. Here is a player who is 6'6". He can do it all. And here's here's the kind of way you view his game. Think about how the game has evolved to where guys that can do everything are, are so much more valuable now because, you know, even there are so many different coaches out there that talk about the game moving more towards sort of a positionless type of basketball where you have a, a five guy that could play outside. Um, you have guys who can either, you know, do so many things. They can play outside. They can play inside. They can do things on defense that, that maybe they shouldn't be able to do. They can guard guys that, that perhaps are bigger than them. That's what Jeff Roberson does. And, and he can that's you know he can do so many different things well that I think it, it's just invaluable to have a guy like that. I mean, he played 32 minutes a game last year for Bryce True. Um, you know, and, and he's just evolved year after year. And he averaged 11.7 rebounds a game last year. Uh, a great defender, you know, just talked about that. Here's a guy who can defend guys, not only his size, but he can defend bigger guys. He can defend on the perimeter. He can defend inside. Uh, he's just, he has a toughness to him. And the best way to explain it, I think, is he's a guy that really just goes out and does the work. And is nothing overly flashy about it. Uh, he's not out here, you know, he just, he's not flashy. He just goes out, works hard gets the job done and you have to have those kind of players if you're going to be a successful team and I think a lot of coaches would tell you that that it's essential to have a guy like that on every team and you know I kind of gave him the label as a glue guy early on in his career just talking about how he felt like the guy that kind of held everything together again just because of all the aspects that he could excel in Uh, but he's expanded beyond that now he's not just a glue guy he's one of the biggest parts of this Vanderbilt team. He's going to be a huge asset this season. Uh, with the style of play that Bryce True wants to play there as he moves more towards implementing that, um, Roberson is going to fit in perfectly, just as he did last year, as we saw. Uh, he can shoot the three. He can score inside. He can defend anywhere on the floor. And I just think he continues to, to really get overlooked when we're talking about some of the most solid and consistent performers in the SEC. I think he's going to be a guy you're going to look at and say every single night you expect Jeff Roberson to be near that double-double mark. That's just the way he plays. Um, a good passer as well. So th- th- he's he's a guy that's certainly on the list right now. And again, it's just it's been fun to watch his game evolve because it's not he's not someone that's going to get headlines. He's not someone that's going to you know do a bunch of spectacular moves just to catch people's attention. He's just going to go out and do what he does, and, and he does a lot of things well. Uh, so Jeff Roberson is certainly on my short list right now. Another guy on my short list is a guy who I have wrote about already this offseason, and that is Texas A&M guard Admon Gilder. Now, Gilder doubled the scoring average from his freshman season last year. Uh, you know, he averaged 14 points a game last year, averaged 7 a game in his freshman season. Uh, that was that team that, that was a co-regular season champion with Kentucky. Um, but he, he continues to kind of get overlooked when you think about what's around him. Now, certainly 
Robert Williams, the guy who's going to be a top five NBA pick next year. It's easy to get overlooked when you have a guy like that on your team. Tyler Davis, another guy who is going to draw a ton of attention inside just because certainly, I mean, you think about the physical presence in there, uh, just his abilities overall, those two guys are going to garner a ton of attention. But what's going to make Texas A&M a potentially great team is is Gilder. Is he is just someone who is such a natural scorer. And this is what you have to keep in mind. I've talked about this already on a podcast before. He is going to move from playing that point guard position because A&M didn't have a point guard last year. And they had to go with Gilder. They had to go with J.C. Hampton. He's going to be the shooting guard this year. There is no question about it. J.J. Caldwell's on the floor now at point. Gilder's going to be at the shooting guard, and he's going to have a chance to score a lot of points because a lot of people are going to have to go into the post, double on guys like Davis if Williams is in there, and that's going to leave Gilder a lot of opportunity outside and give him a chance to get into the paint and score as well. The most impressive thing when you look back at what he did last season um, you know, his first 55 games on campus there at Texas A&M didn't have a 20-point game. However, DJ Ho got injured, uh, and his numbers significantly went up after that. I mean, he had, I think he had four or five 20-point games after that point. I think the Ole Miss game was when Ho really started to be bothered by that injury. And, and then to see Gilder step up after that and have those 20-point performances after, you know, not even hitting that level, uh, in his first you know, season and a half, basically a little more than that maybe. Um, it's pretty outstanding. And really, his scoring came on so well towards the end of the year. I think he's going to use that momentum. And we can't undersell the fact that Caldwell is going to be able to make him better as well because Caldwell is a true point guard. He's someone who's going to be able to facilitate and get the ball where it needs to go. Uh, so Gilder is a guy that I would definitely watch out for. Uh, he's someone as well that, that you know may be on my all-SEC teams when I release those, the first three teams. Uh, but I still think, th- despite that, he's going to be someone that may get overlooked a little bit just because all the attention is going to be on Williams and Davis. And another guy on my list, and this is actually the only one on my list that no one has suggested thus far, and that is George's Derek Ogbede. Now, I think this guy is set for a breakout season. You look back at last year, 7.1 points, 7.6 rebounds per game. Let's think about this. J.J. Frazier and Yante Mayton were certainly the main driving force for Georgia last year. And, and there were points where people looked around and said, you know, Georgia's got to have some other people step up. Uh, you know, Agbede did that a lot. He did it quite a bit. You think about that Kentucky game. He had a huge breakout performance there. Had 18 points, 13 rebounds. Georgia lost to Kentucky in overtime, but they played very, very well. And I think it just showed, you know, the type of potential that he has. He shot 57% from the floor. Um, you know, so he kind of proved that that keeping that consistently see there is going to be important as well going into this year. And I think with Mayton coming back, it's going to free up a lot. Certainly losing Frazier hurts big time. We know the kind of playmaker he was, and that's going to be the biggest question mark for Georgia. Are they going to have someone on the perimeter that's able to have that kind of playmaking ability, get the ball where it needs to go, get it to Mayton uh, on the inside? Are they going to be able to do that? And that's a, that's a legitimate question. However, I think it's going to open up a lot of things because all that attention is going to be on Mayton. 
uh, for Agbede. I mean, I think he's going to have a chance to really, you know, increase those numbers a great deal. Uh, he's going to be overlooked just because, again, everyone is going to key in on Maiden. And so that's going to give him a lot of opportunity there. And he's someone that I would not overlook as being potentially one of those, you know, most improved player, a breakout player, one of those type of guys that, that could really expand his game this year and have a chance to give Georgia a big boost because they're going to need it after the loss of Frazier. Uh, but if he can step up and, and the other guys around can step up, Juwan Parker as well, uh, they have Rayshon Hammonds coming in as a highly coveted freshman. Uh, I think I think you'd have a big year, and so I think it's something that, that you need to keep an eye on because this guy is kind of quietly getting better and better, and we saw last year just what he can be when he's at his best. So I would keep an eye on Derek Obede there. Another player on my list is Ole Miss's Terrence Davis, and boy, when you think about this kid, do people realize that, that he averaged 15 points a game last year? Um, and maybe a lot of people don't because Ole Miss, you know, they were an NIT team. They didn't get that national stage in the NCAA tournament where you could have seen a breakout performance from Davis. Uh, but boy, he just came on. I mean, absolutely turned it on last season. You know, he goes the year before from playing seven minutes to this past season playing 25 minutes a game. Uh, there was no sophomore slump. We talk about that sophomore slump sometimes. For guys that maybe, you know, either get playing time or don't get playing time the freshman year, they hit that sophomore season, can sometimes kind of have a slump. He did not in any form or fashion. Um, You know, he he averaged 20 per game in their final five games of the season. Um, And, you know, I just think that when you look at this guy, 30-point games, um, you know, had 20-point games, it's just he found a way to really get his game to that next level. And that gave Ole Miss just a huge, huge boost. And, I mean, you talk about he scored 30 points in that NIT game against Syracuse. Um, And he's just – he could have the potential to be a very, very good player this year. And he's another one of those that I think you're going to see that could quietly kind of sneak into. And and it won't be quietly this year. I just think everybody's going to realize how good this kid is, how dynamic of a scorer he can be. Um, and it's not going to be quietly. He could find himself easing into that second-team, third-team All-SEC type season. Uh, when you think about what else Ole Miss is going to have around him, obviously DeAndre Burnett returns, uh, Bree and Tyree, someone Andy Kennedy's been really high on this offseason, and then they also add Markel Crawford. So very loaded in terms of you know the wing position for Ole Miss, and Davis, if he can take an even bigger step forward this year, you think about the steps he took last year. If he can take that same type of jump this year, look out because he will be impossible to stop. And and I just think he's set for a monster year there for the Rebels, who who like many of these other teams, uh, boy, that they have got a lot of good guards and they've got a lot of guys that can play out on the perimeter and find ways to score. And he is certainly one of them. And one thing in particular about Davis, uh, you know, before we move on to the last guy. He shot 48% from the floor. I mean, here's a guy that, that, you know, you look at some of his numbers from last year, and I would suggest you do this if you if you want to. Go back, find Terrence Davis' stats, game-by-game stats. You kind of see just, just sort of the efficiency he had offensively. Um, and especially, as you know, we talk about that Syracuse game, went 6-for-7 from three. 
but elsewhere, you know, games against some some good quality competition, he had good games. Um, and then obviously, you know, there were teams that struggled defensively that that he was able just to carve up. Um, and so it, it was, boy, it was fun to watch him last year, and it's it's going to be that same type of way this year. I think he's set for a big season. And finally, the the last guy on my list of five to discuss uh, is Florida's Kivarius Hayes. Um, now, now certainly, I think the Gators, you look at that roster, there are a lot of guys on Florida you could have went with. I still think Chris Gios is kind of underrated uh, in terms of the value that he brings. We saw it in the NCAA tournament. He's not going to be a guy that's going to score 15 points a game, uh, but just in terms of the value there. Keith Stone's another guy, like I said, was mentioned as well by some people. Uh, but Kivarius Hayes, his athleticism, his length, uh, and I think we really saw that on display last year when John Igbuni went out with the injury. Uh, he was just really uh, a big key to that Florida team, as we all know. And I, when Igbuni went out, you all remember, if you followed my work through last year, you know I was very concerned because I didn't know what was next for Florida. No one, I don't think anyone could have predicted an Elite Eight type of run after that entry just because of how valuable um, Igbunu was inside. But guess what? You had a guy like Hayes step up and play big minutes. Um, he played 26 minutes a game after that Auburn game where Igbunu got hurt and was out for the season. And so his minutes really stepped up. He showed his potential, you know, a very good rebounder. Didn't have to score a lot. Um, you know, Florida had other guys that could do that. But I think just having that experience, getting those minutes on the floor uh, during his sophomore season were huge. I mean, he played 30 minutes a game in the NCAA tournament games. And so that was huge. And, and I think that kind of experience is going to help him take that, that next step forward, especially this season as he, as he enters his junior year. Uh, we've seen the, the progression each year from his freshman season now into what will be his junior season. And at 6'9", you know, a guy that can really kind of stretch the floor. He's going to be able to expand his game even more, I think. Um, and he's someone, look, Igbunu's not going to be back until at least, you know, mid-January, probably maybe late January. Who knows? With that kind of injury, you don't ever know. So you're going to see Kavarius Hayes play those minutes. He's going to get a lot of time on the floor. He will be in the starting lineup. Um, and it's going to be kind of fun to see him continue to take his game forward um, and kind of see what he's worked on this offseason, how how much development has been made in certain areas. And I just think, again, when you look at him, when you look at just the athleticism, his ability to affect the game in different ways, uh, he is someone that's going to give Florida that opportunity to once again be a top 10, top 15 type of team, and he's going to give the Gators a chance just like the rest of the guys on the roster, to really challenge Kentucky for that number one spot in the SEC this season. So there you have it. There are my five guys that I would put on my short list right now for the SEC's most underrated players heading into this season. And like I mentioned before, um, I could have went a ton of different ways here. I mean, there are a ton of guys around the league that you could consider most underrated guys. Um, and, and like I said, you guys have brought a, a great list, and there are guys on there that I would certainly, you know, I included four of the guys that you guys have mentioned, um, and there are other guys as well that could certainly be included. Uh, but if I had to pick for right now, I would say these are the five guys that I would zone in on and say, you know, they are among the, the most underrated players, I think, heading into the season. 
and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how their game progresses as we move forward into another big season here of SEC basketball, and we will continue to have more coverage here on the Southeast Hoops podcast. Remember, if you haven't already, go back through my Twitter feed at the Blake Level and check out all the awards we put out, the polls. Give give me your selections as we move closer to kind of putting them all together, releasing these official Southeast Hoops Reader Awards on the website, um, and that will be a lot of fun just to kind of see what you guys have come up with. Uh, always a fun thing, and getting you involved is something that I always enjoy doing. So uh, be sure to do that, and be sure to subscribe to the Southeast Hoops Podcast now on iTunes. So on your podcast app, search for it on there, and you can uh, subscribe there for free. So thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.